What's up, you guys? Welcome to the Ghoul Gang. I'm Grace. And I'm Caroline. And we're here to talk about some spooky shit. Indeed we are. One day late, but, you know, what are we going to do? Or maybe more than one day, because I can't promise that I can edit this within, before I go to bed at midnight. (laughs) We're doing our best. We're doing our best. Definitely going to get something out to you every week. Very sad that we missed our opportunity to record on September 11th. Like, the jokes would have been flying, but unfortunately, we were another day late. (laughs) I mean, you know, what are we going to do? Although I was pleased to see a few 9-11 jokes on my Instagram feed. I'm not going to lie. I saw some 9-11 jokes. I saw <laughs> I saw a 9-11 joke from a girl who literally survived 9-11. And it was just oh, like Jesus. her whole, her, it was a TikTok with just like all of her coworkers like making fun of her for being a 9-11, like in like a funny way. Because like she was obvi- <laughs> obviously like she was the one that like started the jokes. Right. <laughs> but that would have been a different situation. That would have been an HR situation. That would have been quite the HR situation. I was like, I don't think that even I would joke like this around somebody that was legitimately <laughs> a survivor of 9-11. Like, I, I mean, like, oh, kudos to her for like her fantastic sense of humor. But like, I would I don't think I would participate. <laughs> Yeah, I would I would have to give a pass on that one. Um, well, what is our lead-in question today, Grace? Okay, our lead-in question, well, my lead-in question for you. Have you ever met someone or, like, have a connection to someone in a cult? Um, so, let me think. There's, this would be like a two-prong answer, I feel like, because like I don't actually know anybody who's in this cult, but I feel like it was I was very... This is probably like what started my cult obsession in college. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if it started there, but it's probably always been there, just lurking, waiting. <laughs> but, but in college, when I went to University of Vermont for a year and a half, um, there was this... I forget that. There was this like... Um, cult called the rainbow gang or like the rainbow family the rainbow fit i remember Mm -hmm. that shit and they like who went to those things yeah and they like would try they like traveled around the country and like would like post up in different spots and like they basically kind of just like create like an intentional community like for a few months in various places like very rural like mountainous areas and then that would like move on after a while and they were like in the mountain like in the green mountains in vermont for like basically the entire time that i was there and like my like I had friends who would like go and like fuck with them or like who would just kind of go and like buy things from them or like go and do like buy drugs from them or go you know it was just right and like I had I really wanted to like me and my friend had this like idea where we were gonna take the entire summer like our entire like sophomore year summer and like go live with the rainbow family and then write a book about it but obviously like that didn't happen probably for the best because who knows who knows where i'd be now (laughs) i actually when i had like a i'll we'll call it a gap year is a year after my freshman year at columbia i stayed with my sister in denver for a year Mm -hmm. and i dated a guy who went to rainbow gatherings Wait, I need to know, like, what what was their whole deal? Like, I never, I was there, never even, like, some... proactive enough to, like, go there and, like, well, talk to them. <laughs> it's super wookie. It's what mm-hmm. you'd imagine, but there's no music festival, I guess. It's basically a music festival without the music. Like, a lot of fucked up shit happened at those gatherings. 
I want to say there were a couple murders even. Jesus Christ. I mean, again, it doesn't surprise me because like you get a bunch of people who are like searching for something somewhat unstable, doing a lot of drugs in the middle of the woods with no like... I don't know, just no oversight, no like regular society to like check them whatsoever, like no one keeping an eye on them. Like, I don't know. And people would literally run away and join them. Yeah. Like minors. Yep. Uh, I was, yeah, I was like 19 at the time. Uh, I, the date didn't, the dates didn't last very long. The guy's kind of a weirdo. That sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I like, just like I went to one Wookiee music festival and like saw people like just way too spun. And I was like, I don't ever have to do this again. No. Yeah. I, I feel like I like the idea of that kind of thing. And then I'm also like, I really like taking showers like, I like very regularly. Yeah. I like doing like a full face of makeup. I like having my nails done. I like having the internet access and like being able to watch any TV show that I can possibly imagine with yeah. the click of a button. And I just, yeah, it's not the life for me. But no More judgment. Like you know, a, a non-camping Coachella. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like where not- you go back to the Airbnb. Right. Like I like a, a glamping Coachella where like you're staying oh, yeah. in like a raised tent that's like, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like a an- big AC person. Mm-hmm. Very big. Big AC girl over here. Huge uh-huh. AC girl. Huge. Um, what about you? Did you ever know anybody else? Anybody okay. who's in the cult? Other than your rainbow family boyfriend? <laughs> oh, God. That was that like memory unlocked when you said that. I was like, oh, God, that was a thing. Um. So I'm going to kind of call out my mom here. Oh, geez. Pearl, of course. She's got uh, something to say. Like we said, Pearl is our third co-host at the moment. Um. <laughs> yeah. So if you hear her in the background, she's needy. She's channeling Ellie. She's trying to she is chiming in where Ellie would. <laughs> yeah. She's pro- she's probably saying, you know, it's probably not a good idea to say your mom was in a cult. Um, but. My mom was in the very well-known cult that is Mary Kay Cosmetics. Oh, <gasps> wait. Yeah. My mom got sold no. the dream, and she made me invite my friends over for makeup parties like every two weeks, and I'm oh, like, they're no. the same people. Like, and I remember one specific time I was trying on jeans at American Eagle, no, Aeropostale, Aeropostale, whatever. Of course, yeah. Um, and my mom starts evangelizing Mary Kay to, like, the dressing room attendant. No. Oh, my and God. Mortified. I was mortified. <laughs> I was, like, 14. And I, it was when I had come back from summer camp in Minnesota. She was, like, I had, like, broke out for the first time because hashtag puberty, late bloomer. And my mom was, like, I have something for that. Oh, my God. And that's when I learned that she had succumbed. Oh, no. Oh, my. I have such a fucked. I, I mean, Mary Kay, you know, I'm obsessed with MLMs. Like, yes. And the reason is because of Mary Kay, because when I first moved to Chicago, I was like, get. I was leaving a job interview for like an unpaid internship <laughs> in the Chicago Loop that I didn't end up getting, even though I was very overqualified for it. But, you know, um, 
as, I was as like, these things work. I was leaving this job interview in the loop and I was like, okay, I think I'm probably going to get this. And I was like feeling pretty good about it. And this like woman stops me on the street and was like, hey, those are really cute sandals. Where did you get them? And they're like from Target or something. They were they were pretty cute, but like they weren't like anything that spectacular. They weren't like, like stop you on the street cute. No, they were like a pair of like woven sandals from Target. Like I feel like everybody probably had the same pair in 2012. So oh, yeah. I was like, oh, they're from Target. Like, and she was like, oh my God, like that's amazing. Like I love a, a discount shoe. Like you are so pretty. And then she just started complimenting me on like every aspect of like everything I was wearing she's like i love your outfit oh my gosh like your makeup is so good like oh my like it's so crazy that i she's like what are you doing downtown and like this like she's like this very she's probably in her late 30s like maybe early 40s very pretty very put together like looked very businessy like was wearing like a full designer like business suit like power suit like really you know like perfectly done hair gorgeous shoes like really nice designer bag the mary Kay lady the, the Mary Kay lady. So she starts being like, what, like, what are you doing downtown? And I was like, oh, I was just here for a job interview. And she's like, oh my God, like, what are you, like, what kind of job are you interviewing for? And I was like, well, you know, I'm like looking into like marketing and, um, you know, it's for an internship and was just kind of telling her, she's like, you would be, I already know you just be so perfect. Like I actually do marketing, like I'm in marketing. And like, I think that like you could like, like I'm actually hiring right now. Like how crazy that like we ran into each other downtown. Ugh. And I was like, I was like, oh, that is crazy. Like, you seem really cool. And she was, she was like, yeah, like, it's like I work for a makeup company. And like, I think you would just be so great to do like marketing for this makeup company. And I was like, hell yeah, dude. Like, here's my number. Like, she like gave me her card, which did not say Mary Kate anywhere no, on it. No, of course not. It just said like her name and like her phone number and then like whatever her like business's name was, which is like, you know, a derivative of like her Mary Kate thing. And she was like, awesome. Like when you get home, like text me your email address and like I will send you, I'm going to send you an email. And I was like, cool. Like I was like, this is fucking crazy. Like I didn't, you know, like what are the odds? So mm-hmm. I like get home. And I email her and she like emails me back immediately, like red flag, like literally like 30 seconds later, like she'd been oh, like sitting no. at the phone waiting. <laughs> and Which is what 90% of that job is. Absolutely. And she was like, you need to like listen to this, like just like before I'm going to like, I want you to listen to this like speech that I gave at this conference a couple weeks ago. And then like, I'm going to call you in like 45 minutes. And I was like, okay. So like, she like sends me a link to the speech and it's just like her at like a Mary Kay conference. This is the first time I hear that it's Mary Kay. And you're like, ah, <laughs> damn it. And she's like talking about how she like earned this pink Cadillac and like how she you know, got just, the Cadillac. She got the cat. I think they have like the Hummers now, too. It's like just oh, so God. embarrassing. It's so like, gross. <laughs> just all around bad. And I was like, oh, my God. But I was like, keep in mind, like I was 22. I was an English major. I had just graduated from college. I was interviewing for like unpaid internships and like ended up like finally getting like a job at like a hair salon like as a receptionist making nine dollars an hour so like I really did need money and I really was like and so I was kind of like like I didn't know anything about MLMs at the time so I was like okay like this is interesting but like I like am not very good at sales and I don't have a network like I don't know anybody so like I don't know if this is gonna work and so I like finished listening to the thing and was like okay whatever like 
And she like calls me at like exactly 45 minutes when she said she would call me and was like, so what did you think? And I was like, yeah, you know, like I thought it was kind of going to be like a strictly like marketing, like writing role. And like, I don't know, like, I don't think that this is probably for me because I just like I don't have the network. I don't like have sales experience. Like I don't have any of that. Mm -hmm. And she was like, no, no, no. Like it's not even like you don't need to know people. You just need to be like really friendly. And like you're so social and you're so friendly. Like you'd be so good at this. And like all you need is like it's like three hundred dollars that's it up front like you just need to like you know buy this starter kit and like you will make it back and like double it within like two weeks guaranteed like just with me coaching you and at the time again i was literally had moved to the city i moved to the city with five hundred dollars to my name like yeah (laughs) and i was just like uh yeah that's not gonna work like i don't have eat like i don't have any money like and if i don't get an actual job by like the next in the next two weeks like I will have to move home so yeah and they do the whole well you know you have to spend money to make money and I'm like who says I just spent a lot of money on my degree okay right and so I was like I don't know about this but I was like I was like well you know maybe and so I started googling and thank god thank god because she was like I have an office in the loop like we have like a, a store in the loop and again still didn't really understand MLMs so I like Google, I start Googling like Mary Kay loop to see like what the office looks like or whatever, like where it is. And I come upon this like Reddit thread from like a couple months before that was like, has anybody else experienced the like Mary Kay stalkers in the loop? <laughs> <laughs> and literally like they just were like, yeah, I had this like weird experience earlier where I had this like very pretty older woman come up to me and immediately compliment my shoes. And then and I was like, oh, my fucking god and like they just described my entire experience and so then from there i just got into this rabbit hole i found this website called pinktruth.com that's Mm -hmm. like all about like exposing mary Kay and like what a cult it is and like i literally i think i was up until like three in the morning just like reading all the shit being like oh i was like i almost i i mean like i wasn't luckily i was really broke because if i had if i hadn't if i had like a little bit of money i might have like been like well you know it's or if they fronted you the startup money or if they fronted then because they do product that you have to pay for Mm -hmm. like you would have lost money which my mom ultimately ended up losing money but my sister and i had like face wash for two years (laughs) i mean like mary Kay. like funnily enough like after doing all the research that i've done on mlms like i wrote an article like a like probably the best thing I've ever written for Vice, honestly, a couple of years ago called like how to get a friend out of an MLM. And ended mm-hmm. up, I interviewed for that Rick Allen Ross, who is like in all those Nexium documentaries. He's like a main yes. character. Yes. Which is, it's so he's funny. He's in all the cult stuff. He's in all the cult stuff. He's like, he's like such a G. But like, I like was re-listening to my interview with him a couple weeks ago just because I was like, oh, I like forgot that I talked to this guy who I like now see regularly on podcasts. and on like TV, in yeah. Documentaries. Of, uh, and like, he was trying so hard to talk about Nexium, And I was just like, mm, no, no. Because, and this was like 2017 when like shit was about to blow blow the fuck up and I was just like we're well, not talking about Nexium. deep in it yeah <laughs> and uh, well he was like well with Nexium, he like kept trying to see the conversation back to it and I kept being like yeah okay but like I'm, I'm talking about like unique and like LuLaRoe yeah. and LuLaRoe. like, yeah. like <laughs> but like now I really wish that I'd like let him actually have that conversation because holy it's shit just, you know it's just the worst when you're friends in an MLM because then you start dodging their calls Ugh, yeah. and it's like 
you know, I'd really like to hang out with you, but no, I don't want to do the Arbon 60 day cleanse. It's just so predatory too, because it's like they, the people that they prey on are like people like me at the time who didn't have an, like, or like, or people me, who don't have a network. Who have a kid and a, yeah. a single income. Like. A single mom. <laughs> yeah. single. Oh, well, you can work from anywhere. Like, okay, maybe I don't want to work from vacation. Maybe yeah. I like Maybe I like the fact that I have PTO and I can, like, you know, go on vacation yeah. and not have to work. Like, maybe. <laughs> I mean, and, like, 99.7% of people at MLMs, like, legitimately lose money. Like, that mm-hmm. is, like... That is like FTC data. Like that's not like well, and time is money and you ruin your relationships. Like mm-hmm. I still get hey hun messages. Oh on, god. And I'm like who even are you? The worst are the ones like the health ones where it's like people will be like, "Hey, I saw your post about how your mom has cancer. Like oh she should god. really try Herbalife." Beach and it's body. like, "Are you yeah. fucking are you like what is wrong with you?" It's so bad. Like, how dare you? Oh, my God. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess, like, if we're counting MLMs as cults, like, we've we've all had those experiences. Oh, yeah. Well, there's, <laughs> they're very similar in how they, like, I can't help think about, like, um, Children of God, like, flirting oh, yeah. fishing. Yep. Like, yep. Yep. like complimenting you, love bombing. Yep. Like, and then they get you in, and once you're in, they're mean. Like, yep. the my mom's upline was a bitch. I'm sure like, she was, because she was, like, depending on your mom to, like, get her paid. Like, yeah. the, whole, the whole thing is such a racket. It's like, oh, my God. I could I could go on for hours about this. I could do an entire... I could she could have her own podcast. podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. But if you haven't guessed, today's topic... Well, it's a little more than just cults. We are doing cults on social media or like internet cults. Um, we know we've covered Love Has Won, but that was just a whole nightmare fiasco. Yeah. Um, and same with the Lori Vallow thing. I feel like that was kind of an internet cult too, but maybe right. more more of an in-person small group cult that perhaps started on the internet. Yeah. And we're not going to go into QAnon because again... That could be a whole other no, podcast. and that's honestly like it's too scary for this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> like I we would don't rather... want to start getting like targets on our back. I want to talk about like woo woo shit and not like yes. actual things that are about to bring down the country. Like I don't, I don't need to. I, I'll talk about it on my Instagram stories that are <laughs> very unhinged, and that's where I'll talk about it. <laughs> I love it. Your commentary makes me laugh all day. <laughs> Um, okay, so I am starting with something that I had never heard of. I'm excited because I've never heard of this either, and I purposefully did no research, so. Well, it it was hard to research this because there are like two or three big articles about it, and then the YouTube page only has like 80 subscribers and no, like, no real content. This is titled... Inside the social media cult that convinces young people to give up everything. Hmm. And they are called the Daylife Army. Okay. Yes. So this is a little um, anecdote from someone who fell prey to the two founders of this cult. And they openly say, yes. We are our, we're a cult. I love that. I, you know, like, I, kinda, I have <laughs> to respect it. that. <laughs> like, you gotta own it. 
Um, so it all started with a tweet. In the fall of 2013, Matthew had recently turned 18 and was just finishing up his first semester at a college in Chicago. What hey. I bet it was at Columbia. Uh, a freshman music business student, absolutely Columbia. Music business, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like Columbia. He had a fascination with the internet. He'd been making tracks since he was in high school, was very into like EDM. And he wanted to learn how to market his work. He wanted to learn online marketing, Mm -hmm. which is what both you and I sort of do for jobs. Um, So he wanted to start a multidimensional content brand. And even just saying that makes me want to throw up in my mouth (laughs) a little bit. Having gone to Columbia. Yeah, I was going to say, who among us hasn't gone to art school and also wanted to start a multimedia content brand? Like, I I know. Like, (laughs) you can do photography and I'll do writing and we should get someone who could do clothes. Um, Yeah. So... On November 23rd, after posting his album's first single, Matthew noticed a comment in his Twitter mentions praising the track from a woman he'd later learn was named, it's either Koa or K-O-A, okay. M- Malone. Um, I'm going to call her Koa because that's easier. Yeah. Um, around the same time, a man named Wiz L or Eben Carlson uh, started replying to his tweets too, offering little bits of advice on how he was packaging the product, marketing tips, all that. And as this kid starts tweeting back and forth with both of these people, he puts it together that they are partners. Hmm. Um, and he found pictures of them together and they only wear white. Red flag. Yeah. Red flag. <laughs> yeah. This is 2013, everybody. Um, so Wiz L uh, is, at the time, was a 57-year-old white man who was like a scholar in the African diaspora. Okay. And that's how he met Koa. Um, because she was studying the same thing, and they both mutually bonded because their perception of what the quote-unquote philosopher's stone is was essentially the same. Question about Koa. Is she white? No. Koa is a black woman. Okay. um, It would have been extra red flaggy if they were both white people. If they were both white. (laughs) That would have been really... Yeah, she's a a 39-year-old black woman from Pittsburgh who was a former Jehovah's Witness. Another cult. Good, But um, Cult hopping. We love it. This goes to the other side. Okay. Of definitely not Jehovah's Witness talk. Um, The Philosopher's Stone to them is sacred sex. Uh, And they call it the Pearl of Great Price. Okay. And that's what they bonded over. And this kid, Matt, didn't know that they had a whole website selling their practices, almost like a Kama Sutra, for $2,000 a month. 
I mean, reasonable. Yeah. I mean, like, you need, like, new tips at all times. Like, I think that's, like, a pretty decent subscription model. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. $2,000 a month. That's more, that is more than the Adobe subscription, which I think is, like, is such wild. a racket. <laughs> yes. So, um, they claim that the techniques were practiced by Jesus, Mohammed, Buddha, Mary Magdalene, Odysseus. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Odysseus, yep. The Queen of Sheba and King Arthur. I'm like, those all don't... Wait, like, all together, though? Like, I would would pay to watch that orgy. (laughs) (laughs) Queen of Sheba, King Arthur, Odysseus. Odysseus, like, woo! (laughs) So, I get, like, different names for this cult. So, on some sites, it's called Trumple. Oh, tumble, no R. Tumble. Like tumble. tumble, like tumble, but with a P. Okay. Daylife Army mm-hmm. um, is what it seemed like they initially wanted to be called, but not great SEO on that one because when you type that in, the only videos that come up are like army vloggers doing a day in the life. Day in the life army, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, oh, no, that's pretty shitty, guys. So maybe Trumble was part of their search you know, initiative. Get ready with me for my day in the cult. Yeah, essentially. Um, But another place they recruited from, not only Twitter, but Facebook meme pages. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Which we now know, like speaking of QAnon, great, great place to recruit. Facebook. (laughs) Facebook is where you start your cults these days, y'all. Absolutely. And like meme accounts, like... Also, like pretty, pretty easy. Like I, I have a friend who dis or not really a friend anymore, but she was a friend at one point who like very like went from MLM into like spirituality into astrology memes and oh, wow. now runs like a like hundred thousand plus um like subscriber astrology meme account and like just posts like anti-vax shit and like really wild stuff and it's like the way that that like i literally think like the memes pulled her in like (laughs) oh my god you it starts as like a joke and then you're just like wait and then they're like serious memes right (laughs) yeah okay so this is also super infuriating to research because they have their own language called unglish which is essentially (laughs) how they describe it what wiz calls a true white funk but spelled w-h-y-t-e okay um he also described it as like Jimi hendrix soloing the english language it's just a bunch of typos okay and no grammar and it is annoying as fuck to try and read (laughs) some of these quotes because like I am a spelling Nazi. I'm the asshole that will correct you on your there if it's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the essential philosophical framework of this cult uh, will sound familiar to anyone who has heard of chaos magic or the secret. Um, beliefs are a tool and mm-hmm. sex is magical. Okay. Uh, Temple can therefore be described as a meta discourse or as Wiz calls it, 
the story of stories. These people are so full of themselves. I swear to God. The story of stories. I mean, so far it doesn't seem like, I mean, I'm sure we're going to get into it, but like, oh, yeah. you know, I'm like picking it up. I'm like trying to like get into the mind of like someone who's being recruited for this. And I'm like, okay, like sex is magic and like belief is power. Like I can get yeah. into it. I, I feel, I feel like I could like be pulled into this cult. And, <laughs> and something that, might sway you further is one of their core beliefs is having a pleasure ethic oh which is like an opposing view of the protestant work ethic okay like yeah we we want to live life to enjoy things and feel pleasure and happiness um while charging people two thousand dollars a month for sex secrets yeah, well, I mean, like, how that is the path to happiness, 100%. So, yeah. understood, understood. <laughs> and, and like, when asked about it, if, like, they could get a tip about, I think the reporter or whoever was talking to him, Wiz goes, love alchemy is not free. <laughs> what is love alchemy? Shut up, you <laughs> wizard. I, like, I I need to Google these people because I need to, like, understand, like, oh my who, God. I'm, who I'm wait. considering. I'll tell you about it because they're, the YouTube videos that they do have are hilarious. Um, so, back to Matthew in college. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Wiz is picking up on Matthew's need for marketing. Um, so Twitter evolved into DMs, then phone calls, and as it turned out, they all lived in Chicago. So they're, they're, they were here. They, they're not anymore. But Wiz, uh, he said he came up in the 90s Seattle rock scene, knew all the grunge legends, had an encyclopedic knowledge of counterculture art and different religious traditions, um, and then he starts going in on Matt's band. Like, like he got him with like the friendliness and everything. Now he's mm-hmm. just going to start nagging him. Okay. So like the love bombing was like the Twitter, like, oh my God, you guys are amazing. This is so yeah. good. And like, once he had him hooked, he was like, mm, but like, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> this, this quote is pretty funny. Uh, Matthew remembers Wiz, who is white, quipping that you can't be a white dude who talks about saving the world. Okay. Which a is white fair. dude. Yeah. A white dude who talks about saving the world saying you can't be a white dude who talks about saving the world is exactly like, great. <laughs> it's pretty par for the course in terms of white. Yeah, saviors. absolutely. You can't be a white dude who talks about saving the world unless you are me. And that's that's the only white dude that can talk about saving the world because I really am. I really am saving the world. <laughs> Through my sex magic. (laughs) Through my sex magic and my marketing tips, like, aimed towards young musicians and creatives. Like, that was their target. Young musicians and creatives because Mm -hmm. they have lofty dreams. And that's exactly what got Matthew hooked is Wiz had encouraged him to think bigger. He was basically spelling out the history of things as he saw it, implying that I, Matthew, was in a unique position to do something revolutionary. So, like, he's pumping this kid up to be his protege, Mm -hmm. but also doing this to multiple other kids. Yep. Yep. Um, 
This is like the Soho House of cults. Like, we're looking for young creatives. I mean, I guess you could say Soho House is a cult. (laughs) Yes. An expensive cult. Yes. Which you pay to belong to. Not $2,000 a month. (laughs) No, that's Oh, not not anymore. I absolutely still pay to belong to. (laughs) I want to go sometime. You can go anytime. It is the only place that I go. Like, it's literally... I'm like, I pay to go here, so I might as well just have it be my whole personality. Only go here. Yeah. (laughs) Um, okay, so Matthew says that the couple invited him over to their penthouse apartment located in a luxury building on Lakeshore Drive, the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, red flag, red flag. <laughs> hey, I lived in a condo on the Gold Coast. You didn't live in a, you, you were in a cult leader in a luxury building on the Gold Coast. Like, I, if a couple invites you over to their luxury apartment. Oh, yeah, Coast, I definitely think three way. Mm hmm. Especially with their sex magic. Yeah. Um, So this is the summer after he finished his freshman year. Um, Matthew remembers stepping inside and being struck by the dissonance of the place. The apartment was impressive, he says, with floor-to-ceiling windows, as all Lakeshore apartments do. Mm -hmm. But it was completely unfurnished. Okay. As though they had never really settled in or never really lived there. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, though they seemed to be strapped for cash, Koa and Wiz were brimming with business ideas from a plant-based healing company uh, to legal cannabis to lifestyle brands. So this is basically WeWork without the success. <laughs> Plus sex magic. I mean, there's probably a little bit of sex magic in WeWork, too. Let's be honest. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. That movie. I haven't seen it yet. It's fucking perfect because I hate Jared Leto and I hate Anne Hathaway. And they're the two people. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, my God. They play it so perfectly. It's like they know that they're hated by many. I mean, like, you need to get a cult leader to play a cult leader. Like, (laughs) oh, my God, I forgot Jared Leto has a cult. That's right. Um, So this meeting was a step into a rabbit hole that would derail Matthew's whole life. Oh, no. During Matthew's sophomore year, Wiz began posting about Trumple or why do I keep saying Trumple? Well, it's you're like you have PTSD. Condition. (laughs) (laughs) Um. That he'd started calling Tumple, which is his spiritual community. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew, who requested we only use his first name for this piece, went by the name Bum, B-U-U-M, during his time at the organization. And he was their first recruit. So this is where they pointed me to the Daily Dot article inside the magic sex cult recruiting from Facebook meme pages, (laughs) which was quite a read and was mostly written in that English. And I was like, fuck this. I can't. I can't do it. Koa, who is black, explained to the Daily Dot that the idea of Tumple was to dismantle the white methodology that governed the modern capitalist society and replace it with a new foundation, the Black Pleasure Foundation. So she's in this with a guy, two white guys, Mm -hmm. and then her. Yeah. 
And I'm like, okay. So like, is it all, it's just like for her. Like it's only, the pleasure is only for her. I, I'm, you know, it seems that way. Uh, but on the outside, it seemed like a great idea. Like the group outlined a lifestyle that prioritized pleasure, anti-racism, education, sober living, which is interesting. Hmm. A suite of mystical sex practices, okay, um, which members could learn through a course called Pearl Diving, like they're diving for the pearl, <laughs> which was the one that cost $2,000 a month. Uh, and for $1,000 a month, adherents could join a program Wizel called, or described it as the Lazy Visual... visual visualization hmm. of of their full program so they hmm. wanted that two thousand dollars a month oh yeah yeah i mean it's worth it it's worth it for the black pleasure for the betterment of society for the dismantling of capitalism again all things that i am objectively behind uh, right <laughs> exactly um and there was definitely something utopian about the project um they at the time, I believe this is now 2014, they had about 50 orbiters, uh, which they called more casual, well, orbiters, you know, um, people who follow but aren't super dedicated, like how I am with all real housewives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm an orbiter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they had like a dozen diehard members with a bunch of casual followers and the vast majority of these people only interacted with the organizations over the internet. Hmm. Um, Wiz L and Koa painted a picture of a world where users would own the capital generated by their own content, which I also believe in. Yep. And followers the workers could, should own the means of production, you know? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> so socialism. <laughs> And followers could earn money simply for being themselves on the internet. You know, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. We could I, just be ourselves. <laughs> we are. We are ourselves and we earn, I earn no money by being myself on the internet. Nope. No money. <laughs> but we sure do love the 20 of you that listen every week. <laughs> um, but in practice, Tumple would resemble a kind of social media pyramid scheme that mostly targeted young adults and musicians. Members would create promotional Facebook posts, Tumble-related posts, Facebook group chats, and other content, generating income from their friends through PayPal donations while delivering a cut of all of their earnings back to Wiz and Koa. Okay. (laughs) So... They essentially have all these people unpaid um, getting money for them, and they get to keep a little bit of it, but most of it's going to Wizzell through Tumple's self-adopted label as a cult. Like, they go- went into this saying, yeah, we're a cult, probably to hook people like you and I to be like, what's this about? <laughs> um... It always seemed like a half joke steeped in internet irony, but yep. Matthew would come to learn it was wholly serious. Uh, in interviews with One Zero, 24 individuals, including Matthew and other past members, 
People within the group's extended circle of online followers and their family and friends described how the organization evolved into a self-described military that convinced a small group of young people to relinquish all of their personal property and leave their lives behind. Good. (laughs) Starting in 2017, they would join Wizzell and Koa in a building that they had envisioned as an alternate society. Oh, no. One Facebook post and PayPal donation at a time. Okay, yep. Yes. Uh, Trump had just taken office at this point. A group of young artists posting about white supremacy, gender issues, economic exploitation on social media didn't feel out of place. And I feel like we kind of witnessed this where people went, way too far yeah on you know like at at the beginning of trump's um term you know people were all up in arms of course uh but then some people just be they did become militant about it and almost aggressive but in i guess yeah i I feel like it happened it's like both sides of the coin right it was a lot of white people Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of white saviors. It was, a, it was definitely a cattle. I, I feel like the the thing that was interesting that you said was that, like, it was kind of like a joke because I think, like, that's, like, that's Trump too, right? Like, that's, like, also, like, Boris Johnson in the UK. Like, it's, like, all these, like, the more that, the more that you seem to not take yourself seriously or the more that you can seem like a joke, like, the more dangerous you actually are because people right. won't take you seriously it's as a threat. unsuspecting. They'll just joke about you and be like, mm-hmm, whatever. And then, like, all of a sudden, you know, we have four years of, like, a fascist in the White House. And, like, yeah, our system is being completely dismantled and, like, a new age of internet cults popping up. And, like, mm-hmm. all because, like, and, like, all that started on, both on like, sides. meme boards. It's, like, 4chan. It's just, it's, yeah. like, just people memeing, like, it's- shit posting, but actually being, like, uh, like, we're just, like, ironic Nazis. But it's, like, you can't really be an ironic mm-hmm. Nazi. No, you're full, <laughs> you're full on Nazi. Um, so former members describe the group as insular, rigidly authoritarian organization that put serious demands on its recruits, including a strictly prescribed lifestyle, grueling content and revenue quotas. That sounds familiar. That sounds like our old job. Mm-hmm. Um, for those <laughs> for those who eventually joined the real life community um, that Wiz and Koa had started building. Total personal and financial information was given to them. Their bank accounts, their social security numbers, their, you know, if they had trusts, if they had anything, these kids signed it over to them, which is fucked How up. many, how many kids? This is a 24. Okay. Which is... 24 too many. And they're like 24 people. When you say kids, they're like people in their like late teens, early 20s. Yeah, like ni- college kids. Yeah. So these recruits, which, you know, they were also recruited online, um, spent their days performing unpaid labor mm-hmm. for the organization, working to bring donations and new members into the group while sometimes living in tents or their cars. Yeah. Like, these Wiz and Koa were not about to share their 
penthouse, penthouse which, no which had I, I nothing in they it actually owned yeah no probably <laughs> they were not. probably house sitting <laughs> um they became alienated from their friends obviously and family and had very little control over their daily movements eating or sleeping habits which is a big ding 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 or geographical whereabouts mm. Um, so the realities of daily life inside the organization also contradicted the very values that drew recruits there in the first place. Imagine that. Um, the narrative that they were pushing was focused on putting black women in positions of power, said a former member. Mm. Um, but it's not focused on that. It's focused on putting COA in positions of power. And keeping everyone subservient to her. Uh, Anita, a former orbiter of the organization who identifies as black and Chicana, described her feelings about the group in this statement. The only good things I got out of this was quitting drinking and stopping all drugs except weed. Every fucking thing else led to sadness and confusion (laughs) fear-based emotional response <laughs> and she even said to the reporter this is from one zero at medium.com mm-hmm. um be careful how you write and publicize these things or this article and this was written in 2020 okay june 2020 and so like this is the peak of it this is the summer of 2020 yeah you know yep when peak peak being online peak like going down rabbit holes peak being sucked into like weird groups peak hysteria yeah Yeah. peak white savior my god has there ever been a time in history when more black squares were posted and zero action was taken none (laughs) and that's even used i forget what i watched i think it was i don't know some netflix show where even like colloquially people are like, I know you posted a black square, but what does that mean for me? You know, and I'm like, ha this Instagram reference lives on. It will it will always be in our hearts. <laughs> oh, God, what a disaster. Um, so though Koa and Wiz claimed they were building a society based on pleasure, past recruits report anything but. So this front of of pleasure, opulence, um, dismantling capitalist and patriarchal systems just wasn't the case. It was all about making these two people famous. Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately, what began as a mentorship devolved into an intricate system of emotional, monetary, and sexual control. So these pe- these kids were saying the Wiz and Koa um, were like deciding when these kids could masturbate. For fuck's sake! <sighs> yeah, there. I like it. Always descends into something like this. Like it's like it starts out like you know a nice little like you just like trying to set something up in the wilderness like trying to have a good time and then it always devolves into like everyone nobody can have sex unless i tell them that they can and it should be with me probably (laughs) or you need to pay me two thousand dollars to learn how right (laughs) oh yeah so these poor kids um 
the the end goal of their uh, curriculum or whatever it is was to have individuals reach their own state of sexual sovereignty. Okay. Which whatever that means. Strange. <laughs> yeah. Um and it turns out these two, Koa and Wiz, ended up meeting because they were suggested friends on Facebook. Of course, of course. Mark Zuckerberg strikes again. <laughs> yes, goddamn. Creating cults left and right with your algorithms. Um, but they, you know, they met, they instantly had a connection, and then they moved into the luxury building in 2014. So they had just moved in there when this kid saw it for the first time. Um, but now, yeah, now they live in a car. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. So, like, yeah. good things have come. So, like, obviously yes. all that manif- manifestation yeah. and, like, belief, really? believing in the power of positive thinking has really worked out for them. <laughs> yeah. So, this had all started as Wiz, you know, trying to create a social experiment. He was an unemployed graphic designer. So... This whole idea of creating lifestyle brands and hiring these young creatives who could produce the work, you know, seemed like a no-brainer for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they basically put these kids to work, took all their money, and then left town. Yep. And Where did they go? California. Oh. And they are living in a car. Good. Good. All right, so in 2016, this Daily Dot article came out, um, and Matthew's home life kind of just deteriorated. He was constantly picking fights with his parents and criticizing different aspects of their behavior, as one does when they think they are morally superior. Um, And... Meanwhile, his parents were becoming more and more suspicious of the group, as they should be. I am going to be on high alert when Harper's in college about cults. Absolutely. You know, like, I'm going to be that mom that drives to uh, wherever Doe broke the people down. Oh, shit. The um, Heaven's Gate? Heaven's Gate. Yeah. Yes. A mom literally went in there and dragged her daughter out kicking and screaming and yeah. i'm like that's gonna be me as it should be i will help well, you hopefully harper <laughs> doesn't get to that point so i think harper having you as a mother will be helpful um, oh and i don't even hold away back. from cults <laughs> like when she asks questions about something even something as you know asinine as uh one of the crazy family vlogging channels i'm like harper that's cult shit <laughs> or like that's not real life don't watch them <laughs> like i i'm you gotta teach them young really yeah, no bullshit critical thinking starts at the moment you're born that's what yeah. i say <laughs> well she's seven now which freaks me out i'm like yeah. well, well her inner child is formed i bet i i don't know how well i did but here we go um so this article freaked uh matthew's parents out he remembers 
they had already stopped paying his phone bill, as they should. You're mm-hmm. an adult. Yeah. Um, but after the story was published, they blocked him from accessing the internet by changing their Wi-Fi password. Because he was, he was living back at home because okay. he couldn't afford to live anywhere else. Because he was um, giving $2,000 a month to his, like, call leaders. Well, he was doing s- Or was he, like, labor. working for free yeah. for them? Okay. He, yeah, he was working for free for them. He was getting them donations. You know, they capitalized on these art school kids' strengths and essentially put them in an unpaid internship before they even finished school. Right. An unpaid internship that, like, could not lead to an actual job and that you can't put on a resume. <laughs> like, no. And you'd be like, truly... I spent three years doing social media for a cult. Like, honestly, yeah. like, I would maybe hire you because you're probably, probably pretty persuasive. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, how successful was this cult? Like, how many um, followers? Did you get a lot of followers? How many direct recruits? <laughs> um, but, yeah, he was working odd jobs to support himself. He mm-hmm. spent the whole next year... Hopping from state to state on different friends' couches. Um, And he just said, my life was completely torn apart. Um, So, oh, this is why. Okay, so Koa and Wiz decided that the Tumple brand was no longer the central focus of the group. Instead, they began operating under the name of a new organization, one they viewed as a real-life application of Tumple's spiritual principles, which were all about sex. Mm-hmm. So this was called the Daylife Military. Got it. They all, or the cults always army. have to, like, call themselves an army. or like They got to rebrand yeah. all the time, like, always changing names. Like, Nexium was like... Uh, something success executive success yeah then nexium yeah then jeunesse das like it's all too much and well, it's hard to keep track of the nexium brand like nexium was like the umbrella brand but like jeunesse was like the women's group and then i thought had... executive success was the umbrella um nexium is the umbrella and the program that they put you through was called the executive success program so it was like you're doing like the nexium esp program which is oh got it yeah well because that's so much more marketable to working professionals but keith ranieri did have an mlm before that and i can't remember what it was called and like it basically nexium basically is just like a rebrand of that mlm which he almost went to jail for yeah like tax tax reasons and fraud he was like legally technically legally barred from ever participating in another multi-level marketing company which is why he basically had nancy Salzman got all the women to put all the money up yeah yep Uh, anyway (laughs) um so like temple the day life army emphasized impeccable hygiene and all white clothes Mm mm-hmm but its branding was more overtly political. How can you get more overtly political than where they were before? I don't know. But again, what was it, 2020? It was a weird time. <laughs> no, this was written in 2020. So this is 2016. Oh, okay. Like Trump had just taken office. So I then, guess that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I love that we're like, huh, it's, I, yeah, that, I could see that. I mean, like, um, I like I felt pretty deranged around that time, too. So I, oh my I can God. sympathize. <laughs> I, it, was, it was true trauma. I remember going downtown on election night, or 
Yeah. Election night. With, like, a taser in one pocket of my backpack and, like, a skinny <laughs> screwdriver in the other, I was like, there's going to be some Proud Boys at this shit. Like, we're going to... I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, I was like, what am I going to do? <laughs> you're going uh, to stab somebody in the face <laughs> with a screwdriver. <laughs> it was more for defense. But I was like, you know, if shit starts, shit starts. Um, it clearly didn't do anything, but whatever. Um, so in some ways, the Daylife Army's belief system offered a clear-cut formula for understanding the world. You're either part of the pain metrics and contribute to the problem, or you can drop out, follow COA, and build the pleasure matrix. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, yeah. So, essentially, that goes on through 2017. By now, this Matt kid has been in there for three and a half, almost four years. Oh, Maddie. I know. And it's like they start asking him really like sexual questions. They pushed him really hard. Yeah, I'm not going to repeat what these said, but it's essentially like verbal sexual assault. Mm. Yeah. Not that great. Oh, and Matt at this time realized that he's gay, which. I guess is not ideal in this loving and accepting group. Interesting. Wow. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Um, so, yeah. Is the Koa, pearl only like heterosexual? Like you can only I guess it, achieve I think, the pearl if you're... In my opinion, the pearl is the clit. Yeah, that's what I thought. That yeah. was well, okay, that was good. like that was my immediately my immediate thought, but I was like, Caroline, get your head out of the gutter. No, it's a clit. <laughs> so it's like female, but it's specifically koas. Yeah. Oh yeah, it has to be hers. <laughs> but it's but for a gay man, what do you do there? Not you know? much. Yeah. You just worship this woman platonically, I guess. Um, he felt his mental state deteriorating. He was unable to shake this feeling that what he was doing was wrong. Good. He increasingly turned to alcohol, a big no-no, and caffeine, eh, okay, and eventually called a crisis hotline. Um, on December 7th, after being declined a temporary medical leave from the organization, because why would they give you a break? Also, like, um, you can request medical, like, official medical leave no. from... <laughs> That's fucked up that you would have to. Yeah. Um, so Matthew messaged another member of the group and tendered his resignation. Good for you, Matthew. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't following them around anymore, and he was done. He was so much happier after moving back in with his parents and you know, figuring his life out. Um, so it looks like they still have some followers. Um, but no one new is joining. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, Wiz and Koa, like I said, as of last contact, they were living in a car in Southern California. Um, the luxury apartment was obviously a rental 
that did not last very long. Yep. Um, but there's still people in this. And Rachel Bernstein, a licensed therapist, cult expert, and educator, mm-hmm. says that while the internet has made it easier for individuals to investigate groups, it has also become a free-for-all for any and all people who want to recruit their group or to their I or recruit people to their group or to their idea or to their ideal or to their conspiracy and paranoia. She estimates there are hundreds of these internet based high control groups, which like social media in itself is kind of a cult. Mm-hmm. You know, we're Absolutely. all yeah. st- stuck to it we are all, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I try and limit I try and take unplug weekends, but it's hard. It's like a drug. It is. It is hard. I mean, it's just like everyone that you know is there. Conspiracy stuff is challenging what we take for granted. The most extreme example being the flat earth thing, says David Robertson, a lecturer in religious studies at the Open University in the UK. It's about how what you've been told and educated on isn't true. Which I mean is, you know, our history classes were whitewashed. I get that. Um, Part of that formula, he says, is using deliberately provocative rhetoric. So, you know, getting that pearl. Uh, to product consensus niceties and norms. They say they're doing it. We're not even using your language and then using the word cult to describe themselves. It's all part of that, is the quote, which doesn't make a lot of sense. So to end this, eventually Matthew says he realized that the only thing that really stood out about the Daylife Army was the way it flagrantly advertised itself as a destructive, dictatorial, dictatorial organization. In some ways, this was more transparent than most high-control groups. So, like, they copped to everything that they did. Yeah. You know, they didn't hide any of it, which is even more sad. Yeah. Because these kids are barely 18. You know, they're barely adults. Um, I... Um, while you were talking was just looking at Reddit and I found like this post from this guy, his like username is pain matrix. And I guess he was like the oh, first gosh. person may, I don't, this might even be, this might even be Matthew, mm-hmm. but he says he's a, one of the first people to join the cult. He said, I met Eben and co at their apartment in Chicago, somewhere between five and 10 times in 2014, but the grooming didn't escalate into a real life trafficking organization. So I guess it. Like, they were, like, pimping out some of these kids, too, to, yeah. like, make money off of them. Well, that's the stuff that I didn't want to read. Like, oh. there was just really graphic sexual exploitation of these kids. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. He says, I was not allowed to leave the property. I was sexually controlled and manipulated. I was psychologically tortured, publicly humiliated, forced to gaslight my family members and demand thousands of dollars daily. I'll write a full list elsewhere later. Anyway, there are currently three members being trafficked and the two leaders trafficking them are Eben, Carlson, and Coa Malone. They have an online recruitment funnel on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, WhatsApp, and most likely other channels too. If you have a friend or family member in this group, they are 100% in severe danger. If you know someone being recruited, do your best to help them understand that this group is extremely dangerous and abusive. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So as 
as much as we've been making fun of it, like these kids' lives were ruined. Uh, absolutely. And you can't get that stuff back. No. I mean, I guess to end this, um, Matthew has been spending or had spent 2020 trying to rebuild the parts of his life that he neglected during his many years with Temple and the Daylife Army, repairing his relationships with his parents, reconnecting with old friends, forging new ones, and embarking on a new career. Since coming back home, he has finally started making music again. Oh, Matthew. Yeah, buddy. I wish nothing but the best for him. That's I know. What a shitty I hope experience. he's doing well. Oh, God. I mean, it's just, it's just like such a sad situation because like the people that get involved in this stuff, like they're not stupid people. They're not like, they're just people who are like looking for like a community because we're yeah. just so like our society just like is not community based anymore. Like it's just like, it's never been easier to be lonely. Oh my God. I know. Tell me about it. But it's also like they preyed on people with naivete who didn't have a lot of real world experience, you know, like especially as a kid who went to college in this city in Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, It was very unconventional, you know, like we would go out for drinks with our professors because they were adjunct. They were working professionals, you know, they weren't. So it would have been super easy like yeah. for one of these two to teach a class at Columbia. Oh, for sure. And yeah. recruit students that way. Yep. Yep. Like it's just scary to think I just think everything's a trap these days. I mean, most things are. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. Especially when it comes to like social media, like algorithms, I guess, like which kind of dovetails into into my section. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Um I'm going to be talking about the lovely Teal Swan, who I feel like has been having a moment lately. Like, Grace oh and I have been gosh. very inundated with Teal Swan content. There's been a lot of documentaries coming out. There's a lot of articles. There's a lot. But um, Teal Swan is a kind of spiritual guru who really built... The, I think the reason why us, we specifically, are super interested in her is, like, the SEO connection. Yeah. I, yes. Because, like, I just, I think, like, what she's done is actually really brilliant from, like, an SEO perspective. Like, she's and just from a business perspective. Yeah. She's created, like, this self-help empire um, and basically an online cult by using, by, like, hiring people and just being very, very, very smart about SEO. So, like, optimizing her YouTube videos for keywords for the type of person that she wants to to recruit um like which are putting up, suicidal people which are suicidal people and people who are depressed and people who are lost and people who are not having a good time so uh, let's just let's like get into teal swan and who she is so she if you google her like she's a very striking very pretty um i think she's like maybe in her very late 30s um mm-hmm. maybe early 40s she, she kind has of really thin eyebrows, crazy eyebrows, though. very thin eyebrows um, and very, very piercing blue eyes. Like she looks she looks a lot like cause she looks like a mixture between Jennifer Connelly um, and totally and Xena Warrior Princess. <laughs> yeah. With the hair. Yes. So and she has this like long brown hair. She wears a lot of like flowing dresses and she's very intense and very like she's a very like interesting way of speaking. I don't even think I can 
Like it's confrontational. It's very like this, but I, I I don't know. I can't even do it. That's not even how it is. <laughs> I I have I can't like she's very direct and straightforward. And when she her YouTube videos, she's just like staring at you and like staring into your soul. So I will start this out by saying, she, the reason that she's controversial is her the way that she deals with suicide and the ways that um, followers of hers who were suicidal have gone on to kill themselves because. She believes, and she's made many videos stating this and said this on the record many, many times, that if you kill yourself, it's a reset and you will be reincarnated immediately. And like sometimes like if you just don't have the will to live, like what's the point? Like stop holding on. Just do it. Basically, it's kind of her whole take. So fucked up. And like when you are in a state where you want to kill yourself, like somebody saying shit like that to you, as we saw in the like I love you now die documentary. Yes, um, I was just going to say like it's 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 easy to be influenced. Like if you're already thinking of things that way, like and there's somebody that you're looking to as like a, a spiritual leader or somebody who is just generally like that you look up to. You're, you're probably going to listen to them, <laughs> especially if it's something you already want to do. So Teal Swan grew up in Utah, but she was not a Mormon. So she, both of her parents were therapists. They were really secular. I don't think they were religious at all. But mm-hmm. like, because she wasn't Mormon, she didn't really fit in very well. Because I mean, Utah's a very, very, very religious place. And like the vast majority of the people that lived in her town were members of the church. And so she was kind of an outcast by default when they moved there. And so she like didn't have a ton of friends um, and it seems like she always had some kind of like mental health, like sensory issues, like potentially has some like neurodivergency. I don't know. Um, her parents like reported that she was like just very, very sensitive. She had a lot of problems in school, problems making friends. She was super affected by light, noise, sound, um, like just would get really upset about certain like things would trigger her very easily. Um, and she also would kind of claim she would make up a lot of like kind of she had a huge imagination and would just make up a lot of stories and like would claim to be able to like read people's aura or see people's auras, like read their minds, like see dead people, see dead people, like all she she claimed to be psychic and she claimed to be psychic from a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, as both therapists, like they were, you know, trying to help her. Um, they had her go to a lot of therapy stuff, um, but it didn't like traditional therapy didn't seem to help her. And they ended up sending her to like an alternative medicine study in China when she was pretty young. I don't I don't know exactly how old she was, but I think she was like maybe 12 or something. Um, mm-hmm. um, and then and around, meanwhile, we don't even know if that's true, though. <laughs> I, that part is true. Because it is? Her, par- her parents have verified that. OK. And like her parents don't verify the rest of the crazy shit that she says. But yeah. So she she had a f- one friend basically growing up, and that is the woman. Her name's Diana, and she was on a podcast called Mormon Stories, which I highly recommend um, anybody who's like gets interested in this to go down. It's like two hours long. It's really good, though. I mean, it's like a very detailed account of their friendship and like the ver- like the various like levels of toxicity and like Diana. It really seems like was very affected by her friendship with Teal and like not in a positive way, like. She had some mental health issues that were very much exacerbated by this friendship, which was very, very controlling. And just it was one of it was like Teal didn't have any other friends and she did like Diana had lots of other friends and Teal didn't like that. And Teal kind of wanted her all to herself. Um, So she they live next door to each other. Um, 
And they were, like, super, super close, like, to the point where, like, both of their parents were, like, this is unhealthy and, like, you guys shouldn't be spending this much time together and, like, try to separate them. But, like, the things that they would do together, like, I think from a young age, like, Teal always kind of... I mean, again, I can't, I can't diagnose anybody. Like, she just... She showed some narcissistic, like, tendencies and some kind of, like, somewhat, like, just concerning, concerning tendencies. Like, Diana had some mental health issues when she was a kid um like she was really depressed um she would self-harm and teal would see the attention that she got from doing that and started to mimic her so Mm -hmm. diana would cut herself like she was the one who kind of started cutting herself because she was depressed and like in a bad place and teal seeing like the hullabaloo that caused in diana's family would start doing it to herself too or like Diana tried to kill herself a couple times and Teal allegedly tried to kill herself as well. So yeah, basically she was very much mimicking, you know, Diana's like, I think very legitimate mental health issues. She was kind of taking that and using them as a way to get attention for herself. Um, she would also show Diana like really fucked up videos a lot. <laughs> like she'd like show bestiality her, videos. Like bestiality videos. Yep. People being murdered. Like pretty much everything you could find on like rotten.com or something i was gonna say (laughs) like you know teal was like a frequenter of of rotten for sure like she was like (laughs) she was like single-handedly keeping that website up (laughs) 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 then they like they would watch girl interrupted together all the time and teal like loved angelina jolie's character and like would always talk about how like amazing it was that she like identified as a sociopath um <laughs> they would take baths together they had like a kind of weirdly like Almost sexual, sexual but like not se- yeah it, it seemed like it was maybe sexual on teal's side where like teal i don't necessarily think wanted to have sex with her but like wanted to kind of control her sexually um, and she was jealous because diana was developed and yeah. teal was still yes in her prepubescent body yeah um and so while all like while they were they were friends for like years i think they i think she moved into this neighborhood when she was like 10 or something and then they were friends until they were like 18 um and then they lost touch and during this time um and this this is true but not necessarily fully like again what teal like so one of like teal's parents trying to help her they sent her to china to do this alternative medicine stuff that got her into like kind of onto a spiritual path And then they also had this, like, family friend who was a veterinarian who was very into alternative medicine. And they would, like, have her spend time with him, um, like, to do alternative medicine things. Now, she calls him Doc now. And I'm going to come back to him in a minute. But, like, I would not be surprised if there was something a little bit weird that was going on. Yeah, that's odd. I don't, I don't, as a parent, putting my teenage daughter in the care of a like middle-aged man. man. Yeah, 60-year-old yeah. veterinarian who's, like, not just... Like, he believes some weird stuff, too. Like, he, mm-hmm. he has some very weird, like, spiritual woo-woo beliefs, and, like, it's not... I don't know. Like, But it's cool, because we both love horses. <laughs> yeah, so it's fine. Just keep that in mind, that that is happening while, while they're growing up. So Diana and uh, Teal kind of lost touch, and um, in her late teens and early 20s, Teal starts to get therapy um, from a woman named Barbara Snow. And this is kind of the, the, I would say the tipping point and the creation of the cult. 
Yeah. Um, so Barbara Snow is one of the architects of the 1980s satanic panic, like recovered memory, whole situation. Like she was one of the people who was like interviewing these like quote unquote survivors of this, you know, this like satanic ritual abuse that like wasn't actually happening. And basically like uncovering memories in their heads. And I'm, do- I'm doing air quotes here, but like placing memories of things that did not that categorically did not happen in their heads and then like people got like their entire lives ruined by this like people were prosecuted for crimes that like they absolutely did not like nobody was like ritualistically murdering babies nobody was like i mean daycares were not running like sexual abuse like it wasn't happening i mean not to say that like people aren't abused but it wasn't happening like that (laughs) right and it also says something that you know teal went to this woman as a a late teen early 20s -hmm. usually this woman was dealing with like four or five year olds which you would think would be more suggestible or you know uh would be more likely to actually embed this stuff in their brain it seems like teal just kind of went with it and was like yeah yeah Yeah. that's what happened to me like teal has always kind of had this like propensity to make things up to like you know create worlds like for herself create narratives for herself to create stories about things to make her life more interesting like she was the type of person that was kind of prone to this kind of thing and then seeing barbara snow it was really it like bolstered that part of her and like i think i do think at this point she really believes what she what she thinks she remembers but essentially Let's let's get into what she thinks she remembers. Yeah, so, essentially it's bananas. The things that Barbara pulled out of her head were essentially that from when she was a young child, basically until when she started seeing Barbara, she was a member of a satanic cult that was led by the vet that her doc that her parents like for some reason let her hang out with. Um, and the stuff that she claims happened to her during that time, um, I'm just gonna pull up a an email that her second husband sent to his parents trying to explain to them why she couldn't participate in an Easter egg hunt because she was just too triggered by that. Um, <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's a very, very long email, but there's a list in it um, of everything that she says happens to her. So from age 6 to 12, Teal was tortured physically and sexually in rituals, forced to participate in sacrifices, raped, starved, Forced to undergo three abortions, all fathered by Doc himself, who was in his 60s at the time. He performed them himself with veterinary equipment, which is why we have such a hard time conceiving. Photographed for sadomasochistic pornography. Sold sold for money to men for sex out of outdoor gas station bathrooms. Kept in basements. Kept in a hole in the ground in Doc's backyard. Buried alive. Exposed to electroshock programming. Forced to undergo isolation torture. Left overnight tied up in a lava cave in southern idaho um forced to participate in bestiality and necrophilia drugged out by doc on ketamine um dormer xylene opiates and speed um all of which he had unlimited access to due to being a vet which like how do you get speed as a vet i don't think we're prescribing animal speed 
No. I, correct me if I'm wrong, vets out there, but like I, <laughs> I don't know if that's a normal a normal thing to give your dog. Uh, <laughs> she was chased through the Idaho and Utah wilderness by Doc. Um, on one of his mules playing tracking games in which he would hunt her and undergo one of many heinous tortures if she was caught. She was used as a lure to other children who ended up being hurt or on three occasions murdered by Doc. And the <laughs> list goes on. So she she claims to have seen like babies being murdered, like children mm-hmm. being... Cur- it's like, where are the news reports of that? Like, where are... Like, a lot of things that she says would... Ha- like, a lot of the torture that she purports to have gone through um would have left scars all over her body like she doesn't have scars on her body a lot of and but like and a lot of like her parents can like they know where she was for all of this time she was mostly at home yes like there was no way that most of this could have taken place because she simply wasn't away from them for long enough you know no but then she claims that he would pick her up in the middle of the night and yeah. then drop her off and then she would go to school and be fine and that she would just like never sleep basically and because she would be having these like basically she like was living like a lizzie mcguire style double life where like the <laughs> pop star version of her <laughs> was just like a member of a satanic cult who was like always being tortured and then like the or not lizzie mcguire i'm sorry the Hannah Montana. Like, uh, Hannah Montana. <laughs> Sorry, I get my <laughs> Disney Channel blondes mixed up. <laughs> um, the Hannah Montana version of her, yes, was a key member of a satanic cult, while the um, Miley version of her was just like a regular kid going to school and like living her life, doing horseback lessons. Like, it's, I, and what I will say is, I would not be surprised if this doctor was abusing her. Like, I do think, like, a lot of her behavior, especially towards her friend, like, it does seem to track with somebody that was being sexually abused in some way. Um, however, like, th- like everything that she describes here is textbook Barbara Snow. Like, mm-hmm. all of the stuff, like, the drugging with ketamine, like, the, all, like the, the babies being killed, like, all of this is textbook satanic panic Barbara Snow stuff, like, straight out of the 80s. Like, it is, like, it's... It's Michelle remembers like it's all it's all of that. Oh God! Like, which if if you don't know, there's a really there there's a great episode of You're Wrong About where Sarah Marshall reads like recaps the entire book of Michelle remembers, which is one of like the formative like satanic panic texts. Um, mm-hmm. It purports to be a real story about like a therapist who find like helps this patient uncover memories of satanic ritual abuse but like when you read it it's just basically like a really fucked up therapy a therapist who's like placing false memories in this poor woman's head and then ends up marrying her Mm. like it's not good it's not good no like side note real quick did you know go ask alice was written by a mormon housewife i did i did know that i did not know that because i listened to the i believe it was a bonus episode of you're wrong about um recently yeah because it just came out like mm-hmm. there was an, a new yorker article about it and she was so like scared that her kids were gonna do drugs so she wrote this like horror story of what happens when you like accidentally get dosed with lsd at a party i love I that know. it's lsd too like there's like so many drugs that like actually could really fuck you <laughs> yeah well then she goes on to speed and all this yeah. stuff but it's funny because she's mormon and has never she's never even gotten drunk in her yeah. life 
No. But so like... I read that when I was 13 being like, ugh, edgy. <laughs> and now I'm like, no, that was a mom. Yeah. No. Saying like drugs are bad. <laughs> um, yeah. No. The, I, I love the like Mormon to like fake uh, panic pipeline. <laughs> oh, I know. They're the direct I don't know people if, related. I don't know if Barbara Snow was Mormon, but I I think she might have been because like I think she was operating in Utah. So hmm. it there's a there's a good chance that the Mormons strike again. Um <laughs> So basically that's that's everything that started coming out of her. She has all these like, you know, implanted memories from Barbara Snow. Um and after she got this story in her head, she started trying to convince the people in her life that she'd known as a kid that they, too, were in this cult. So Diana ran into her in a park when they were both, like, young moms. I think they were, like, 25 or something. They'd been out of touch for a couple years. Afterwards, like, they were like, oh, you know, like, let's, like, you know, talk again. Like, this is cool. Like, Diana gives Teal her email address. And, like, Teal sends her this, like, batshit insane email um, part of which I just read, but basically she she sends her this email being like, hey, it was so good to run into you. Um, I just wanted to send you this note. Um, I'm going to forward you this note that my husband wrote to his mom because I feel like it like explains a lot of things. But I'm sure that you have a lot of questions about like what went on when we were kids and like I now have the answers. So basically this email just describes everything I just said about like being in this cult. Um, she tries to convince Diana that she was also in this cult. Like, don't you remember? And Diana's like, bro, what? <laughs> Like, uh, no. Um, later she finds out, uh, Diana finds out that for, for a lot of her life, like again, Diana had some, some issues with self-harm and with depression. Um, and her parents were constantly like harping on her about like, you've been abused, you've been abused, you've been abused. And she was like, I haven't, like, I, like nothing has happened to me, like nothing. And they didn't believe her. And so it was this weird thing constantly where like, she was kind of being gaslit by her parents to say like she was abused well even therapists will do that like because i i have a similar background to diana in terms of adolescence and like self-harm is a you know indicator and Mm -hmm. you know acting promiscuously or whatever and therapists will be like are you sure there's no underlying trauma like they will it it's very suggestive because that's the first thing everyone goes to. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you must have been abused. You must have been diddled when you were a kid. Right. And it's um, like, no, I wasn't. And so, like, she was always really very frustrated with that. Well, it turns out the reason why her parents thought this was because when they were teenagers, Teal wrote her parents a letter saying <gasps> a bunch of out-of-pocket wild shit. Basically, I think she had probably, I think this was after they had lost touch. But, mm-hmm. and it was after she started seeing Barbara Snow. I could be wrong. But she wrote a letter to Diana's parents basically saying, like, she was, like, a part of... She was tortured ritually, like, all this stuff. And, like, her parents were like, well, we know Teal. Like, she's, like, her best friend. Like, she has no reason to lie. Like, why... Like, this must have happened or, like, something must have happened. And so that's why they were constantly harping on Diana being, like, something happened to you. And she was like, no, it didn't. And they she finds out after she like, gets this batshit email from her and then talks to her parents, they're like, oh, we thought that was real. Like, our bad. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, and it's also, like, it would make more sense for something strange to happen to her because she was spending all her time at Teal's house. Right. Yeah. I mean... Like, so that's a lot of missing time. I mean, really, she kind of was abused by by Teal. Teal. Yeah. 
But totally. just in in a in not in not in a ritualistic way, but in a kind of like, you know, Teal, I think, was a couple of years older than her. She had a lot of influence over her and she was showing her like really fucked up things like to a pretty uh, to somebody who already had some issues. Like it's not it's not ideal. Like Rotten.com mm-hmm. was not good for any of our psyches. Like, no, <laughs> I'm um, so desensitized. Oh, God, I know. Ugh. So since January 2011, um. Teal has basically like created an online empire on social media uh, using, like we said, using SEO. Um, she's built a huge following. I'm not sure when this is from, but she had like 500,000 followers on YouTube, almost 80,000 followers on Instagram, 15,000 followers on Twitter, 160,000 followers on Facebook. Um, her her followers call her themselves the Teal Tribe or Teal Tribers. Um and a lot of them found her while Googling phrases um, like depression, addiction, suicide. So she's has a gigantic following now. She's written best-selling books. She tours around the world talking to people looking for spiritual guidance. She also runs like a compound in, I think, Costa Rica where she lives mm-hmm. with her followers, um, like with a, a select group of an inner circle. Um, and like we were saying, she... The reason she's so controversial is the way that she does a suicide, but specifically, like, she she's targeting people who are suicidal. And then when they get there, she uses the same tactics as Barbara Snow to kind of, like, Im- implant these memories in their head. So a lot of, like, a lot of her followers have very eerily similar experiences to her with this, like, ritualistic abuse where they go mm-hmm. in not remembering it. And then, I mean, I think in the documentary, she's, like or maybe it's either the documentary or the uh, the Gateway podcast, which is infinitely better than the documentary. But oh, um, so good. But she says, like, in the in that documentary, she's like, oh, when somebody comes to me, I'm, I'm first just like, okay, what are we talking about? Your mom or your dad? Your mom or your dad? So it's just right. an automatic assumption that, like, if you're here, you're damaged. And if you're damaged, it was something that happened to you during childhood. And it's probably something that you don't remember. And it's probably something that your family member did to you. And so by doing that, she basically puts into people's heads like these horrific, horrific memories. And whether or not they're real, if you are convinced to believe they're real, like you're going to have the same kind of trauma that you would have if it actually happened to you. And if you and especially if people are if you're telling people that their parents and their family did these things to them, like then what are you going to do? You're going to cut your family off, which is, you mm-hmm. know, a, a lot of times like your only support system or the people that'll, I mean, she's creating, she's making people cut ties with their family on the basis that they abused them when they were children and abuse them in these like not normal, you know, a lot of people are abused by their family, but like the, the memories she's implanting into these people's heads are like of like, again, like babies being ritualistically murdered like it's just like where are all these babies coming from is there just like mm-hmm. a store of babies that like i, I don't understand like, <laughs> like uh, one thing that society cares about is like when a child goes missing like that's like the number one thing that like most most people can like really get together and be like all right let's figure this out if there was just like babies like constantly going mis- like like in order to run these satanic cults like you need like a large amount of babies and like baby i just pool. like you need a baby pool. Like, I just don't see, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I suppose there's ways, but I, I just, it doesn't seem like a very um, profitable business model. Uh, 
Because people so, are obviously paying to go to these ritual sacrifices. But yeah. But they are also paying. Sh- can we mention that she's a multimillionaire? Yeah. Oh, she she is extremely successful. And her followers work for her for free. They do, you know, they'll live with her for years. They do videography work for her. They do SEO work for her. They do marketing work for her. They do everything they do for her. They do for free. And she's not paying people. She's just like... She's giving them room and board. She's providing them with spiritual guidance and room and board. And she, if you have watched the documentaries on her, like her way of interacting with people is very combative. She does Mm -hmm. not take any criticism any questioning she shuts people down she screams at them she kind of like goads them if they're not if they're feeling somewhat suicidal she will goad them into killing them like well what are you doing here then like why don't you just go kill yourself (laughs) and she'll do it on stage like she'll fill huge auditoriums with 400 bucks a head yep depressed suicidal people and then bring them on stage and make them share their trauma and they're paying for this yeah and they're like the she tours for it. yeah it's um, wild to me so i mean the gate like the deep end the, re- the recent documentary that just came out on hulu was ultimately i think like it tried it tried, it tried. but i think it was very flawed like it felt unfinished too it felt unfinished and it felt like it both felt like it glorified her and at the same time it was very deceptively edited like not in her favor in a way that like made it so that like the documentary the documentarians themselves are like somewhat suspect like they like they were both like they were both kind of like showing you the pull of her which like i get she's a very magnetic person and she's very like she's both extremely empathetic and extremely sociopathic and it like switches back and forth like yeah. on a dime well um, and i remember texting you through the whole first episode being like they have said not one bad thing about their they spent the first episode talking about how amazing she is right. like all yeah. the good work that she's done yep and then it, w- it wasn't until like the third episode where you're like whoa this if i didn't have prior knowledge coming into this right i would not have known well, and then when that. they actually start to criticize her, they're not really, crit- they're like, they're doing it deceptively. So like, there's a scene in it where like this follower of hers gets kind of dressed down. And then afterwards, they do this kind of like waterboarding ceremony. Oh, and like, it seems like from from the way that it's presented on film, it seems like the person who was being like yelled at by Teal eventually like acquiesces and does this waterboarding and then like at the end of it goes like i love you to teal which is extremely culty and very fucked up because it's kind Mm -hmm. of just like this person's being punished but it turns out that that wasn't even the same person it was just like spliced together footage where it was like Mm -hmm. a completely separate person who said that she loved that it was like yeah um and then also look kind of similar and then there's like the the journalist's like the the documentary crew were like sending her videos praising her saying how much they loved her like a couple months before the documentary was out um and i mean like i get as a journalist like you need to get your sources to trust you but you also can't be just like openly deceptive like that like it's very unethical like if if you have a like you have a story to tell you have a position that like obviously you're gonna have an opinion after spending months with somebody but like if you're if you are open if you are currently editing a documentary that's gonna like make this person out to seem like a monster which like objectively like she probably is but like yeah. you can't you shouldn't be like 
oh, hey, I love you, babe. Like, you you need to be professional. <laughs> like, you need to be yeah. like, I'm going to report the facts how I see them. Like, which is, like, you, you uh, it's not going to make you any friends, but, like, you can't, it's also not going to, like, get you called out for when you publish this documentary. She's not going to have receipts of you sending her, like, love-bombing videos. <laughs> like, right. So, I don't know. That's that's Teal Swan. She's I, still thriving. She's going. She's doing very, very well. And, like, it... I, I guess the issue I have is how on earth can you follow someone whose whole shtick is trauma when pretty matter-of-factly the trauma can be explained away like it's a lie how can you follow a liar and give her thousands of dollars to go to this retreat i did i guess people are just people just really believe her people really believe and it's like i mean people still really believe that the satanic panic app like people really people believe a lot of things like so i mean these people i sometimes forget that we're in like a a liberal bubble yeah well like we're also in like this is like the new we're in a resurgence of that kind of thinking like there was a while where like it was pretty well accepted that like the satanic panic didn't really happen and like you know and now like there's more internet cults type things like more conspiracy thinking more QAnon adjacent stuff and like Mm -hmm. it all kind of harkens back to the same thing the cabal Right, where it's just sacrificing babies. It's like this obsession, this like Christian panic of like we are losing control over the hearts and minds of the people, and the let's scare the shit out of them. Right, the reason can't be because like we're an antiquated religion that was you know written by like lots of people several thousands of years ago. It, It it has to be that Satanists are like actually like the ones that are doing this but Satanists are like super kind feminists right well the church of satan is a bunch of atheists like they don't believe in satan like in order to believe in satan you like you have to be it's like these people are so obsessed with christianity that they think that like everyone is as obsessed with christianity to the point where like satanists would be so obsessed with Christianity that they would want to like reverse all the rituals. Right. Know? It's like, <laughs> like And they're like, nah, bro. No. Satanists are just like nice people who um don't believe in anything. They just are kind of humanists and they use the Satanist label as like a point to make a point like about a freedom of religion. Point. Yeah. yeah. To be like, well, if we can put statues of Jesus up in public places, like, why can't we put statues of a demon? Baphomet. <laughs> Baphomet, baby. Um. So yeah, I don't know. It's a. It's a really. There's a lot of. There's a lot of good stuff out there. If you're interested in this, like I was. I've said. I've mentioned many times the Gateway podcast. Um. I think his name is Jennings Brown. Um. Mm-hmm. He was a slate journalist at the time i think he might be doing something else now but gizmodo gizmodo that's right um and yeah i don't know that's a great podcast it's like several episodes the deep end is is a worth a watch i would say because it is like i think to see her at work is important Mm -hmm. like to see the way she talks to people even though like keep in mind a lot of like even her speeches were edited to make her seem more sinister which i think isn't that's kind of pointless because like 
the the point the reason she's dangerous is because like she's not overtly sinister yeah you know? she like lures you in yeah. with kindness like her videos on youtube you almost get put in like a trance like state because her voice is soothing she's staring right at you she's saying inspirational things in most right. of them yeah um and then, like, the way she really gets you is if you sign up for one of these retreats. Right. Yep. I mean, she's... Oh, she's a wild She's a wild one. But she's, <sighs> she's doing it right with the SEO. I got to give her that. Oh, my I gosh. She that. knows how to work social mm-hmm. media for sure. Yeah. Which ties this up nicely, Annabelle. Indeed it does. Yeah, be careful what you believe out there, everybody. <laughs> Check your yeah. sources. Maybe, you know, if you find yourself becoming like too ingratiated in a meme page, like think think to yourself, <laughs> like, is this actually pulling me into a sex cult? And if the answer is yes, <laughs> maybe maybe pull back, maybe unfollow. <laughs> yeah. Maybe uh take a little digital detox. <gasps> um oh. quickly, what yeah. we've watched. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched Devil in Ohio on Netflix. It was okay. Speaking of satanic shit, mm-hmm. um, uh, it was it was like TV fourteen or something, which yeah. you know isn't my favorite. Yeah. Um, I think it's a worthwhile watch if you're looking for something spooky, but not like too crazy. Uh, but I don't know. Our our definitions of too crazy might be a little <laughs> different. As I. We'll now talk about um, Channel Zero oh my God. on Prime, which I can't believe we didn't know exist. And PSA, you must watch this show. Yeah. It is based on different creepypastas and no sleep stories. The first season is Candle Cove, which is a super famous One of the best creepypastas of all time. And I... I discovered this based on a post from the Instagram account Horror Movie Stills. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, just, you know, scrolling around on Instagram and I see this like very terrifying like tooth monster. And I was like, what yep. is this? And like the caption was like, I still think Channel Zero is one of the best horror anthology shows of all time. And I was like, excuse me. What like, is this? What? And so I did a little Googling. There's four seasons of it. It's a former sci-fi show, like based on the on the show. TV network sci-fi, which, like, they always, like, just kings of putting out, like, fantastic stuff that gets canceled way before The Magicians. Prime. Always, yeah. Don't even, I don't even want to talk about The Magicians. <laughs> so upset. I'm still so upset. I know. Or the Battlestar Galactica uh, prequel Caprica, which had, like, yeah. literally they put out, like, maybe, they, they, made, they filmed an entire season of it, and then they just, like, only put out half of it, and then made the last episode a, a mishmash of all the rest of the episodes. Oh, one. that sucks. It was so And you bad. can always tell. It was awful. Um, so this, yeah, this aired on Sci-Fi from 2016 to 2018. That's and, like, seasons. how did we not know? I have no idea. I literally, like, the only explanation for this is that, like, I now believe in the Mandela effect, because, like that we had to have been living in a different universe from this because this is like so up all of our alleys that like it doesn't it doesn't yeah. track that like at least one of us would know would have right. at least heard of it <laughs> and caroline i think it was on thursday last week was like alert alert <laughs> like new show must watch and now i'm halfway through season three I need to, uh, we almost started season two last night, but then uh, stopped because we had just finished season one. Elvis. And it was like, 
Yeah, I watched all this, and then I watched the yeah. first like five minutes of the no no end house. Uh, oh God, it's so good! I'm really excited. So yeah, go. You can you can get it on Shutter, and you can also get it if you have AMC, um, like an amp like the AMC streaming service. Yeah. Um, one last thing I'll talk about is the House of Hammer. Oh, the you- story of Army Hammer and his family, which. I had no idea about his family, like his dad, his grandpa and his great grandpa Mm -hmm. and like his uncle were all into this kind of weird, not weird. I'm not here to kink shame anybody, but if you're actually going to be a cannibal, you know, try and hide it. Yeah. Uh, Or, you know, maybe don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let people know. Do it consensually. Maybe, maybe like they'll that. give you a little sliver of their thigh. Yeah, I was gonna say, wasn't there like that guy in Germany that like willingly was like, "Yeah, you can kill me." And yeah, um, but it was really interesting hearing from you hear directly from the girl that the text messages were for mm-hmm. the now infamous ones, and then the other episodes go into his family's backstory and his aunt who has been excommunicated from the family, wrote a book about this, like, a decade ago. Holy shit. And, like, they are now finally calling on her being like, you were right. Yeah, so that's on Discovery Plus. Highly recommend. That's great. Um, what else did I watch? I think pretty much just the No End House. That's been that's been my... Uh, and then the Elvis movie, which I did enjoy, but they skipped they skipped a lot of stuff. It seemed rushed. It did, but I did, li- I, like, I appreciated the style. I, I did, like, I did think Baz Luhrmann was the right person for it. And it was very emotional, and Austin Butler did a really good job, so. Oh, my I, God, he's so hot in that movie. Yeah. It, and just, like, a lot of times he, like, really, really looks like out. Like, it's, like, uncanny. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Um, But, yeah, I, I also have to say, just before we jump off of this, we're almost at two hours. <laughs> Fuck um, me. That, like, watching the Elvis documentary, I was, like, he was the original Britney Spears in that, like, he was, like, trapped in a residency (laughs) in Las Vegas that he didn't want and, like, being controlled and drugged by people, like, Mm -hmm. that were making money off of him and didn't care about his well-being. I'm, like, this is, like, a fucking tale is all the time. It just happens over and over and over again. It, like, never stops. Yeah. I just really hope better things for the next generation of uh, artists. I don't know, man. Seems kind of bleak. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, uh, you can follow us on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nihilist. I have no, nothing matters. We have, we, whatever. Follow us on Instagram at Google Gang Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Google Gang Pod 666. You can follow myself at Grace's Gold on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow Caroline at Coraline Maria on Instagram and Coraline X Maria on Twitter. Please send us your scary stories. They don't have to be about ghosts. I know. They can just be creepy things. We ask this every at the end of every episode, and we still have not received any emails or DMs from you guys. We've gotten a couple DMs. We have gotten. We've gotten a couple DMs. Well, I've gotten a lot of DMs on the Ghoul Gang one. That's like. I have a scary story for you. And then I'm like, cool. And then send it. 
It just <laughs> does not materialize. So if you are one of those people that sent us a DM saying that you have a scary story for us and you have not followed through, now's your chance. Now's the time. Go do it. Yeah. Also, go rate us five stars on Spotify and on Apple because that helps us get more listeners. And, you know, we need even more people to listen to whatever is happening here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We don't know how to end this, but we are going deep into spooky season, so anticipate more content from us. Yep. (laughs) All right. Creep it real. Creep it real. Bye. Bye.